welcome, welcome. We're just going to stand on our feet. We're going to begin to pray and welcome the presence of this Lord in, the pl in this place. Holy Ghost, you are welcome to move. Have your way in this service. Have your way in this worship. In Jesus' name. Sing, I found love. I found love beyond all reason. You gave your life, your all for me, and called me yours forever. Caught in the mercy for love, found all, found life, found all I need. You all I need. Oh, see, the time has come. The time has come. Stand for all we believe in. So, so I for one, so I for one, I'm gonna give my praise to you. Sing out. And today, today, saw Lord nothing all the way. My praise goes out to you. Well, my praise goes out to you. Today, today, I live for one thing to give you praise. Everything I do, yeah, my praise goes out to you. Come on, sing, I found love. I found love beyond all reason. You gave your life, your all for me. It called me yours forever. Caught in mercy. Come on, those hands. The time has come. The time has come to stand for all we believe in. So I for one, I'm gonna give my praise to you. Yeah, today, today, so long I've been all the way. My praise goes out to you. Yeah, my praise goes out to you. And today, today, I live for one. Everything I do, yeah, my out to you. Come on, sing it. I found love. You gave your life, your all for me, and called me yours forever. Come on, caught in the mercy for Nothing all the way, my praise goes out to you. Yeah, my praise goes out to you. Today, today, I live for one to give you praise and everything I do. Yeah, my praise goes out to you. Let me sing, All we are is yours, and all we are is yours. And all we're living for is all you are. It's all that you are. 
And all we are is yours. And all we're living for is all you are. It's all pushing it all back. And all we are is yours. And all we're living for is all you are. It's all you all we are. All we are is yours. It's all we're living for is all you are. It's all that you are. The time has come to stand for all we believe in. So I, for one, I'm gonna give my praise to you. Who she got? And the time has come to stand for all we believe in. I, for one, I'm gonna give my praise to you, Jesus. It's a day, it's a day, it's all or nothing. All the way, my praise goes out to you. Yeah, my praise goes out to you. We'll see you one more time. It's a day, it's a day, I live for one thing. To give you praise and everything I do. Yeah, all my praise goes out to you. We'll give a hand clap of praise to the Lord in this place. When we worship you, God. And everything I do, yeah, all my praise goes out to you. And everything I do, yeah, all my praise goes out to you. Sing that out. Everything I do, hey, all my praise goes out to you. I'm just going to ask that you close your eyes as we sing this out. Our focus is on the Lord today. And everything I do, hey, all my praise goes We've come to praise you, Lord. And everything I do, hey, all my praise goes out to you. You alone deserve everything I do. Yeah, all my praise goes out to you. Come, let's sing that out. Everything I do. Yeah, my praise goes out. Come on, my family, God. Cause everything I do. For my finances. For my job, Lord. My friends. Everything I do. It's all to you, God. It's all yours. Come on, sing out. And everything I do, yeah, all my praise goes out to you. Father, Lord, help us live that life of surrender that in everything that we do, God, it belongs to you, even this time of worship, God. Let us not become so selfish to worry about what other people think or worry how comfortable we might feel in worshiping and singing songs to you, God. I just pray, God, that we just be broken before you, God. That, God, we can just come to you and sing songs and worship and praise your name and, and just say how great you are, God, because you're deserving of it. Father, help us in this time of worship to get there, God. To get it, Father God, that you're all we need. God, you're a God that loves. You're a God that sees. You're a God that's alive, that pours out his Holy Spirit. We worship
sing higher than and higher than the mountains that I Sing that out right now. Your love. Your love. Never fails, we believe, never Lord. It never, never runs out on 
satisfy in this place. And I'll never, and I'll never ever have to be. songs about Jesus' love is duty. We're just going to ask that you would just join with us in worship. And all we're just asking is just that you close your eyes because our attention is not on man, but it's on God. And the Bible says that there's power in the name of Jesus. So we believe here today as a congregation when we come together in spirit and in truth and we sing songs to God, God hears it. And he sends down his presence for his believers. I just want to encourage you that just one moment in God's presence can change your life. And if there's some things in your life today that you need to be changed, we just ask that you join with us right now in this presence. It's a life of surrender, saying, God, I surrender my life unto you right now. And for those who are here just wanting to worship God more, just keep on doing it. It's a life of humility. It's a life of surrender unto the Lord. God, I give you this time of worship. God, I praise your name. And just sing songs from the heart of how God's been good to you. Just sing your own song right now. The Bible says sing new songs unto the Lord. So love you, Lord. Let it overflow in our lives. Let it overflow in our lives. We spend this time with you. Oh, it's a precious time. We're standing on holy ground. Oh, we're before you today, Lord. Oh, we offer this worship. We offer our praise. Oh, just praise Him right now. If all you can say is thank you, Jesus. Tell Him thank you. I thank you, Jesus, for my family. I thank you for salvation today. I thank you for the cross. Oh, you're making new today. You're making new today.
worship. It's a sweet sound of worship today. God, we just give you the rest of this time, God. Oh, Father, I pray for a congregation that will get it in Jesus' name. The Father will go after your Holy Spirit. Father, ask you by your power, by your Spirit's power, Father, send it down right now. Your love, Father God. Your love, Father God. Your joy, your peace, oh God. Come help me sing hallelujah. And hallelujah. And hallelujah. Come on, let's just sing this simple song unto the Lord. And hallelujah.
right now we're going to lift up the name of Jesus. There are things in your heart today that you place above God. And you have to understand that there is only one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Only one God that is worthy to receive all of your worship. Worthy to receive all of your praise. So get every other God, every other idol out of the way right now. As we lift the name of Jesus. Name above every name. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. Come on, get to that place today. Proclaim him as your Savior. Proclaim him as Lord of the earth. Proclaim him today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 just keep worshiping. Can I just have some of the altar workers just come? And if you're sick in your body or you're going through some type of a struggle or you need a breakthrough, we just want to pray for miracles right now as we lift up the name of Jesus. So if you're sick and you need a healing or you're in a a bad place, you need a breakthrough, or maybe somebody you know but it's been weighing on you, would you just come? Because We're just going to keep worshiping the Lord, and we're going to go to another level. And if you need that touch, we don't want you to feel like you can't receive that. We'll pray with you because we're here for that as well, to minister to your needs as well as touch the heart of the Lord. So let's sing that again. Hallelujah. And just worship Him and get lost in His presence. And if you need prayer of any kind, would you just come? Come on, let's lift up the name of Jesus today. today, God. Those that need a miracle, God. We believe it right now. Miracles. Some of you who have faith, just stretch your hands towards the front. We just call forth miracles in Jesus' name. Lives changed right now. And let's go deeper, y'all. Come on. Come on, let's press in. Let's press in today. Let's press in for another taste of God's glory. More of His love. Let's start a revolution. Thank you, God. 
Come on, let's sing Start a Fire. God, pour out your spirit on all flesh today, God. Oh, God, we need you. If you're receiving prayer, just believe it today. For those of you in the congregation, would you worship today? And I want more of you, God. I want more of you, Start a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. And I want more of you, God. No place I'd rather be. Just the vocals and guitar. Come on. Come on, let's sing it out today. No place I'd rather be than here in your love. Would you just sing those words with me today? Oh, thank you, God. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be. Just one more time before we sing Start a Fire. No place I'd rather I hope you mean that today. Oh, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Come on now, let's shout it out. Start a fire. Come on, man. Come on, let's sing it out today. Thank you, Lord. I want more of you, God. I want more of you. the band plays can we all just cry out to God for more even as those here are being prayed for let's just get hungry and just let God know we want more in your own words come on just ask him say God I want more come on all of us can ask for more and if you're still wanting prayer just come but God I want more I just want more of your presence more of your glory I want to know you, God, more than I ever have before. Deeper in your love, deeper in your mercy, your grace, God. Just want to know you. We want to be closer to you, God. Oh, God, my heart and soul cries out for the living God. 
just let yourself go for a few more moments. If some of you think it's strange what we're doing, just raise up your hand, close your eyes, and just say, Jesus, I love you. You'll enter in. You'll sense a little bit of what we're sensing now. We believe in an encounter with the living God. He heals the broken hearts. He gives joy to the downcast. Oh, He gives purpose. Oh, yes, He does. Yes, He does. And I want more. And I want more. Jesus. I want so much more. Just one more time. Start a fire in my soul. Start a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. And I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Start a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. Thank you, God. Would you just hold somebody's hand next to you if you can? As a family, we're going to pray. If you're still receiving prayer, don't worry. We're not in a hurry. But I just want to thank you for coming this afternoon and being with the present, being with the Lord, the people of God, being in the presence of God. Let's just pray for one another to get closer to God throughout this service. Lord, we thank you for bringing each one of us here. We pray that we'll all get to know you more the needs that we have in our lives, that, God, you'll meet them. We'll trust you, God, and that, Lord, you'll do what only you can do. You'll do miracles today. Set our lives, God, on fire so the world can watch us burn. Bless our families. Bless our children to the third and fourth generation. Touch the nations with your glory. God, let today not be an ordinary day, but extraordinary in your presence with your people. In Jesus' name, can everybody shout amen? Amen. Praise God. Can we give them a hand clap? Amen. Would you just slap somebody high five and say, I'm so glad you're here. And stay on your feet, please, and greet one another. We have this awesome video that we want to play that just encourages fellowship. So please don't sit down yet. Please, whatever you do, don't do that. And just fellowship with each other right now. Shake somebody's hand. Tell them that you love them.
Amen. Just take a few moments. Come on. Shake somebody's hand. How many are in love and just want to do it? Amen. Praise God. I'm so glad you guys are here. Welcome to Metro Praise. It's our second service, and man, the, the best is just about ready to happen. We're going to get into God's Word. I'm so glad you're here. And how many enjoyed that time of worship? Anybody enjoy that? Amen. You know, I just feel as a pastor that sometimes we need to be sensitive to the Lord. So I'm so glad you're here. If this is your first time, right here in the back by Berto. Berto, would you raise your hand for me, please? There he is. There's a visitor center. If you want to go back there, we have books and brochures and a whole bunch of good things. Love for you to get all that information out there. Just welcome you here today. Thank you for coming. And uh, this is uh, Sunday morning at 11. We also have a 9 a.m. And just want to encourage some of you, if you're in the Wicker Park area, we started a Wicker Park church at the Chopin. Theater on Tuesdays at 7 o'clock, and it's been going great. We already have 30 plus people, and we're believing God for 10,000. Amen. Come on, do you believe it? Amen. We can do it. And I uh, want to let you know Wednesdays here at this campus, we always have something good going on. Uh, this Wednesday is going to be prayer meeting, Bible study, and then Royal Rangers Impact for the young adults. And then something that you guys can always remember is that the last Wednesday of every month we have, can you put it up there for me please, we have Family Fun Day. Everybody go Family Fun Day. Awesome. So there's something to look forward to. You know, come to church on Sundays and then every Wednesday, the last Wednesday of the month we do something fun. It's going to be a movie, fireproof, popcorn, face painting, just some good things for you guys to come out and enjoy. And then another thing that we're real excited about is every Friday Elevate. Come on, teenagers. Uh, Adam, would you tell them what's going on Fridays at 7.30? Fridays, amen, test one, two, it's on. And then Fridays is our youth group. We meet at 7.30 every Friday. We do Friday because that's the day when teenagers go out. They want to have fun, but we give them something to hear. Blah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm just caught in the Holy Ghost. That's the Holy Ghost. But we give them something to do. Um, Fridays, we, we fellowship. We have games. There's, there's you know, everything to do as a young, as a young person want to do. And then we also have a time of service, which that's so precious to us. And this past Friday, just as testimony, so you guys can hear reports of what's happening, um, was one of our, the, the house was packed. Young people came in, visitors, and they were giving their life unto the Lord. And it was just a beautiful thing. So God is moving in the youth. Amen. I love what they are doing. Adam has been with us. Uh, Adam was with me when I was a youth pastor at, at the previous church. So over eight years, we've been in relationship. And you know that's a miracle just for that to happen. You know what I'm saying? For him to stick with me that long. And then now for him to be pastoring these youth, I'm so proud of him and all the youth team. And right now, it's in a growth spurt as well. As the adults are growing, the youth group is growing. So I'm just going to ask you guys to keep praying. And then we've been doing some promotion around the church. Uh, we've been asking you guys to take these and place them anywhere you want. Uh, but then we got some complaints complaints this week about where not to place them okay so here's what's really cool is there's a sticker right back here and you take it off and then you can place it like this onto something that's stickable now where people have called me and they're like oh now by the way they don't like them anyways okay so just whatever they people don't like jesus but people were telling me that somebody was putting it on wooden a guy complained he said he has a wooden door with paint 
And so I guess when they pulled it off, it took off some of the paint. And then I told him I, I would mow his lawn. I would repaint his door, but he's okay. Uh, and then the other thing was is that uh, I was told we can't put them on mailboxes. We weren't putting them in, but I guess mailboxes themselves are also federal property. But listen, don't stop using them, okay? Everybody's like, I'm not going to do it then. No, listen, we are going to do it. So once again, Here's places where you guys can put it. You can put it on windows, glass windows, the metal doors before the door. Are you all tracking with me? Just put them on things like that. And then the best place I like to put it is on my neighbor's back. Now, we have had no complaints about that right there, okay? So that is a good way to put it, okay? So right there. And then any parents or anybody got any young people, you just do like that for your young people. They'll never forget to come to church. Would you guys help us to promote? Can somebody say amen? You know, I believe Jesus actually wants us to tell people about him. Okay, so I actually believe that. And this is a cool way to do it. Some people uh, want to do other things. And then, Berto, can I get the new series flyer? Got uh, series flyers for you guys to hand out. Really exciting what we're doing right now, the end times. It's all about just getting people to think about what's happening in the world around them. Here's some flyers. Grab them in the back. Hand them out to your friends, your job, wherever you go. And then, if, does anybody Facebook here? Is anybody in the 21st century? Anybody have a Facebook? Okay, is everybody awake today? Are you guys alive? Okay. Okay, let's have everybody stand up. This is where we're going to do this. Okay, everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. Okay. If you have a Facebook, you can sit down. If you have a Facebook, you can sit down. You have to have a Facebook to be able to sit down. Okay, all the rest of you who don't have Facebooks, I want you to hand these out. All of you sitting down, we have a video for Facebook for you to put on your friend's page. Okay? Somebody say, okay. Okay, thank you. Sorry for being a cool pastor. That's just so hard for me sometimes. I don't know. I try to get you guys to do something for God on Facebook. Okay, so go to Facebook. I'm, we're, we should be friends on Facebook. If you've already blocked me, that's a problem, okay? So if we're friends on Facebook, you'll see the little video up there. You guys know how to copy and paste videos, okay? If you don't, see our youth pastor. Because why? I want people to come and hear about the end times. This is more relevant than the newspaper that they're reading. And it will blow their mind, man. And I think some people are going to come to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Thank you all for doing that. Just want to let you know we have a vision at Metro Praise. It's loving God, loving people. Can everybody say love God? Can everybody say love people? Okay, so we're going to divide the room right in half. This side right here, you guys are going to be love God. So let's say one, two, three, love God. Awesome. This side over here, you guys are going to be love people. One, two, three, love people. Okay, so when I point to you, you shout out what you're supposed to do. We've we tried this before. It may be hard, but uh, can I get a hip-hop beat? Hip-hop there it is. Uh, uh. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, now I didn't tell you about the rhythm. We're gonna do the rhythm. Say love God. Say love people. Say love. Hey man, give yourselves a hand. That doesn't have fun. It's just my alter ego to be a rapper. So we want to love God, we want to love people, it's going to be fun, and then we want to connect everybody to the cross. Can somebody say connect? Thank you. The way we do that is through life groups. Does anybody go to life groups here? Anybody excited? Come on. You know, at life groups, what it is, it's a home Bible study, meets in one of our leaders' homes, seven times a week for adults, three times for youth. While you're there, you're going to find people who love you, pray for you, and go through life with you. One of the saddest things that I experience as a pastor is when people go through problems and they're not in a life group. Let me explain this to you. You see, when somebody passes away in your family or go through a hard time, 
you call the pastor and you get one person to show up, me, my wife. But you know what? When you're in a life group, those people take your life very, very serious. And there's a group of them. And then when something goes wrong, they all show up. They get your back. And then you have good days. And then somebody else has bad days. You're part of that group to help other people. Somebody say life group. So I want to encourage you to be a part of life group. I am the pastor, okay? I know Sundays are cool, but I'm telling you, you can't get it all on a Sunday. You need to get around each other, fellowship, hang out. If it wasn't for the life that I shared with other pastors and other friends, I couldn't make it, my friends. One time a week is never what Jesus intended. So can everybody say life groups? Thank you. And then while you're there, one of the life group leaders will say, hey, do you want to grow in your faith? Do you want to grow up in your faith? And this is the book, Welcome to Your New Life. And I know a lot of people say, I just want Jesus to love me just the way I am. And he does love you just the way you are. And he loves you too much to have you stay that way too, amen? He wants you to change to who he is. So people are like, I want to just come the way I am. You can come the way you are, but we want you to leave the way he is, okay? And so this book is to help you grow up. We love you just the way you are, but too much to let you stay that way. So every believer, please join the life group. Get involved in this. And it's a class that's done one-on-one at at coffee uh, houses, done in your house, uh, lunch breaks. I remember going out downtown, meeting people, you know, at the Greek Greek town and and having uh, meals at the restaurants and doing the book. And it's so exciting. And then the next part is mentor. Can somebody say mentor? Thank you. And the reason why it's so important to me that we do mentorship here is because a lot of churches, nothing wrong, but they focus on membership. Everybody say membership. Uh, thank you. And the problem is with membership is that you, you're like, well, I, I went to two classes and I've done that. But you know, Jesus didn't come to make members. He came to make disciples. And so when you go through the 101, uh, that first stage connect, and you join the mentorship class, it lasts for about a year. And when you know what it does? It develops in you the Christian character that God wants his disciples to have. And the people that we have in this class right now are the best I've ever seen. And they're going after God. Rosa's going after God. Some of these others. And guess what we did today? And I'm going to put Rosa on the spot. We memorized scripture and we quoted it today. So I'm going to ask Rosa to come forward, one of our 201 students, to quote her scripture that she memorized today. Give it up for Rosa. Gloria a Dios. Amen. Are you ready to say your script? She's ready. She, she looks like she's small, but she's a big woman on the inside. She beats the devil down. S- Saturday evangelism team right here. Come on. Oh, glory to God. Yeah. Um, I memorize 2 uh, Timothy uh, 3.16 and 17. Uh, all scripture is uh, God's breath. And it is useful for uh, teaching, correcting, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the um, man of God can be equipped, can be truly equipped uh, for every good work. Amen. We, at the Wicker Park campus, we already have people in the 101 fixing to start the 201. So don't wait, my friends. Get into the 101. Do the 201. Sometimes people say, you know what? Oh, you know, I'm not ready for that. Or you're not ready to learn God's word. Okay, if you're not ready to learn God's word, what are you ready for? I just want to know. And I look at some of our young people that come to the 201, and, and you would think, man, you know, they're, they're pretty busy with life and stuff. And, and maybe church shouldn't be what they're doing, you know. And, and maybe we're giving them too much stuff to do. So I had one of our young people who was on the swim team, and I asked him, I said, what do you have to do to be in the swim team in high school? He, he told me, he said, I've got to go to practice six days a week for two hours. That's just to compete. Hello, somebody. 
Do you think it's about time we start teaching our young people the Bible? Maybe half as much as we teach them football, baseball, and swimming. You think it's time, adults, we start looking at the Bible and getting trained up like we did for our job? You went to a place called college. Some of you took calculus. You'll never use it again in your whole life. Hello? Why not give your life to discipleship? I can't encourage you enough to do it. I hope that you do. The Bible says go into all the world and make disciples. You are ready. Start a life group. Get plugged in and let God use you to change the world. Amen? That's our vision. And some of you say, man, I've heard that before. We've been saying it for seven years. And if you don't want to do it, uh, we'll, we'll hook you up with some churches down the road that don't want to do it either, okay? There's a whole lot that don't want to do it. So you're just like, I don't want to do this. That's okay. There's like 20 churches right down the road. They don't do it either. And, and that's going to be like a partnership. You'll just walk up to the pastor. Pastor, do I have to be a disciple here? Absolutely not. I'm not one either. Great. I'm glad I'm here. So you can either become another ice cube in the tray of the frozen chosen, or you can put another shrimp on the barbie, light it up, and let God set you on fire. Amen. I'm passionate about that. Would you stand up to your feet? Because I believe if we do this, 100,000 disciples in this city with 50 churches and 500 around the world, we've been doing this, my friend, by God's grace. We can't do it without His Spirit. And I would ask you to join with us. Amen. We believe, God, that uh, you can come and enjoy these times together with us. And uh, something that's on my heart right now as we're preparing for tithe and offering is what I'm hearing uh, from churches all over the world. Because, you know, we support uh, 200 churches in four different nations, five locations. What I'm hearing right now is that the economy is, is really rocking everybody. You know, this is what I'm hearing. And, and I know that's true. I know that's true. There's nothing wrong. If you've lost your job, I mean, this is happening to a lot of people, so be encouraged. But what I am hearing, though, in the midst of this, I don't know if you guys would believe this, but the mall is still open. Uh, fast food restaurants are still selling fast food. Gym memberships are still being bought. Gas stations are still selling gas. There was a release of a video game called Modern Warfare 3 in any Call of Duty young people fans in this section right here. Did you buy it, young man? Do you have the game? Yes, he does. You see, they're still selling video games. What's my point is, my friends, we still have it. Maybe not as much as we used to, but we still have something. God said, whatever that something is in your possession, give him a tithe, 10%. That belongs to the Lord. I was taught this from a small child doing it uh, 34 years. Now, please help us. We need you. We were a few thousand short last month. We need you to help us. And then we ask everybody to give above and beyond to the building fund to continue to pay for the things that we own. And then would you give to the mission fund so that we can give around the world. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for a church that's blessed, Lord. We ask you, God, to help us, God. It's not easy in this economy to save money or to have extra. But, Lord, you told us to put you first. You commanded us to give. And, God, today, Lord, make our hearts obedient. Soften us to your word. And, Lord, as we give out of obedience, would you bless us? our children and our children's children. Would you increase the economy of this nation again? Give our leaders wisdom, Father God. And Lord, would you help us to reach the nations, for they not only deal with economic hardship, 
They also deal with persecution and suffering. Would you be with our pastors and leaders in Pakistan, northern and southern India, Nepal, oh God, in Nigeria. Oh Lord, would you provide strength for them and courage and also for their financial needs of their many churches and for the poor and hurting. God, would you bless us to be a blessing. We ask you to be with our soldiers. We celebrated Veterans Day. Be with them and protect them. Many come home with emotional distress. Would you offer them healing through your blood and let them find places of rest even in this church as we evangelize and know them. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing here. We ask you to do all of this in Jesus' name. And can everybody say amen? Amen. Thank you. Let's uh, read what Paul said on the count of three. One, two, three. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Thank you. Would you come forward rejoicing as you give today? God bless you. Amen. Can we give the band a hand clap this afternoon? Amen. Thank you guys. You guys are awesome. Uh, Matthew chapter 24, verse 32. Today's message is in time events. Can I get an ooh from the audience? In time events. Ooh, there you go. Come on. Isn't that fun? We're going to be talking about end time events in this series, The End Times. Last week we talked about signs of the time. Now here's the difference between a sign and an event. A sign is something that can happen over a period of time. An event is like, boom, it happened, like an event on your calendar. So when you combine what I'm giving you today with what I gave you last week, you're going to see close to 20 fulfilled prophecies in this generation. We are truly living in the last days. I want you to see what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verses 32 and onward. He said, now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Everybody say the fig tree. Thank you. You're going to hear about that in just a moment. The fig tree. Verse 33, even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near right at the door. What is near? The coming of Jesus Christ. I tell you the truth. This generation, everybody say this generation, thank you, will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Everybody say all these things. Thank you. Verse 35, heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will never pass away. Now, I want you to think about the fig tree as I just quickly read it for you in Jeremiah chapter 24, 4 and onward. Write it down in your notes if you want it for later. The word of the Lord came to me, God speaking to Jeremiah, and this is what he said. Look, these good figs, figs, I regard them as the exiles who went from Judah, whom I've sent away from this place to the land of the Babylonians. My eyes will watch over them for their good, and I will bring them back to this land. Everybody say the fig tree. Thank you. I believe when you take Matthew with Jeremiah, we see that the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, are called the fig tree. 
Now, why is this important? Let me give you a little review. Last week, we went through Matthew chapter 24, basically 1 through 30. All of those first 30 verses were signs. The disciples went up to Jesus, and they said, Jesus, when will be the sign of your return? When will we know that you're coming? And the first thing Jesus did is he pointed at the temple, and he said, you see these buildings right here? Not one stone will be left on another. How many remember this? Amen. So the first thing Jesus pointed to as the first sign is the sign that Israel is going to be destroyed, that Jerusalem will be torn down. That's what he was referring to with the temple. Then after all the 30 verses, he says the Antichrist, or excuse me, false Christ will come, and te- false prophets and teachers. He then says diseases, wars, and rumors of wars. He says all of that. And now at the end, he talks about a fig tree. So the beginning, he says, you're going to know this thing starts off by the destruction of Israel. And then at the end, he says, you know, it's going to come all to an end when you see the fig tree begin to blossom again. So let me help you understand what I believe Jesus is saying. Israel is the calendar of God's end time events. When you see Israel, what you're looking at is the hourglass of Jesus' time scale. Everything is going to be seen in Israel. That's why to this day, your media, my media, modern news is focused on the Middle East because Israel is the calendar that, by which God goes by. Now, last week we talked about Jesus saying the destruction of the temple. That happened in 70 A.D. The stones were laid bare. The city was laid bare. The Jews dispersed. Now, watch this. 70 A.D., the Jewish people live, uh, excuse me, leave Jerusalem and are dispersed around the world. They did not have a nation until you see the first event, until 1948, May 14th. So what does that mean? For over 1,800 years, they were a people without a nation. Now get this in your understanding how amazing this is. The Roman Empire, which ruled the known world, has not been able to rebuild and call itself the Roman Empire. Are are you all getting this? Get this in your mind. These Jewish people were a small nation. They lose their homeland. They're dispersed among the world, and yet they kept genealogical records of who they were. They kept their faith for generations and generations, and after World War II, which was meant to destroy them, Hitler didn't pick the Jews by accident. It was a purposeful a mandate to destroy God's people. But what was meant for destruction turned for their good because after that, God used the United Nations and the Allied forces to give them back their land. So in 1948, for the first time in over 1,800 years, they had their land, and not only that, they became a nation in a day. Now think about this. This is impossible any other way except for God. Roman Empire, as massive as as it was, has never been able to reorganize. The Babylonian Empire. Now, some of you might say, well, these lands have now become Iraq, etc. But no, we're talking about the people knowing who they are in their genealogy and having their same country and land back after they lost it for 1,800 years. That would be like the American Indian having back America and their government and it becoming again like it was for them. Are you all tracking with me? It's, it's impossible. It can't happen without God. But God did this for the nation of Israel. Why? Because they are the fig tree. 
Now, a fig tree is like a big bush. And if I saw that, I would say that's a big bush. But that is a tree nonetheless, okay? So poor fig tree, it's a little bush. It's a big bush. But, but anyways, it's a fig tree. It grows figs. And, and probably the only time you and I have ever eaten figs is a fig newton, okay? Think of a little fig in there. And if you're eating figs more than that, God bless you, you're probably staying regular, right? Figs are kind of like fruit cleaning you out. Amen. God bless you. If you're sitting next to a, your neighbor right now and then they, you know, do a little something, you know, a little smelly, smelly something, that's because they're, they're, they're eating their figs. Okay? Now, that's a little weird. And I shouldn't have gone there, but I did. So anyways, figs keep you regular, and that's what figs. But Jesus loved figs. So this is part of his, uh, his culture. The bottom line is God said in Jeremiah that the figs is like Israel who leaves the land and come back to the land. That's what Jeremiah said. Jeremiah came about 500 years before Jesus. And then Jesus says, these figs will blossom. Now, in 1948, this marks our first event. Now, the event here for us is supposed to signal a generation. Look at verse 34. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass away. What generation? The generation that sees Israel spring forth like a fig tree. You are in that generation right now. And I'm going to show it to you in just a a few more slides, but just let that sink in right now. What we see now, generations, though they wanted to see Jesus, though they believed Jesus were coming back, they never saw it. So you're talking the Wesleyans of 1700. They believed Jesus was coming back, but it couldn't happen in their generation because they never saw the fig tree begin to grow back in its land. They never saw Israel become a nation. Are you all tracking with me? The great reformers, they thought they were living in the, the time of the end in the 1500s, but it couldn't happen. You know, the early Pentecostals in the 1900s and, and the, you know, the Quakers and these revivalists, you know, preaching, you know, through the Bible Belt, they all wanted Jesus to come back. But they didn't have this sign fulfilled. This sign is no longer a sign. It is now an event. It has happened. You can put a date on the calendar and mark it down and go, it happened. They're a nation, May 14, 1948. And most of us have been born after that. You and I have grown up knowing them to be a nation. Get this in your heart. You are in the last days, my friends. You are a part of a last generation. Now, we'll talk a little bit about what we think generation means, but, my friends, there's no way around it. You and I are seeing things in this generation that nobody before us has ever seen. Now, the second thing that the Jewish people had to do is they had to take over Jerusalem. So they occupied the land, but they didn't have Jerusalem. So almost 20 years later, uh, the Six-Day War, June 5th through the 10th, they fought and they received back their land. Is everybody tracking with me right here? Let's look at Isaiah 66, 8, about Israel becoming a nation. Who has ever heard of such a thing? Who has ever seen such things? Can you think of a nation being dispersed for 1,800 years, becoming a nation? You can't even think of such a thing. Can a country be born in a day or a nation be brought forth in a moment? Yet no sooner is Zion in labor than she gives birth to her children. Zion standing for Israel. Can I get an amen from somebody? You're talking Isaiah. Five, six hundred years before Jesus is already talking about the time we live in. This, let this blow your mind. We're going to get into some books today, Daniel. That And I'm getting ahead of myself, but I just got to prepare you for this. God tells Daniel what I'm giving you, which is around that same time of Isaiah, about 500 B.C. He says, what I'm telling you is not even for you. 
He says, you've got to keep this locked up until the last days. We are in the time when the prophet... The prophets prophesied, and they themselves didn't even know what they were writing. We are in the time when their words are our instruction manual. Just think about that for a minute. You have seen a nation born in this generation. If you're old enough, you've seen it born. And then the second thing, uh, Jerusalem in Jewish hands, Psalms 102.16 says, For the Lord will rebuild Zion and appear in his glory he will respond to the prayer of the destitute he will not despise their plea well if you read the book of revelation and the book of daniel which by the way daniel is the most relative book a relevant book to us today out of all the prophets books if you would read daniel and revelation you would both think they were written by the same author and in one sense, of course, they are. God wrote it. But Daniel came almost, uh, you know, five, six hundred years before John, who wrote the book of Revelation. Why? Because God is putting a witness in John and uh, in, in Daniel in the Old Testament, a witness in John, his disciple in the New Testament. But what is their point? Their whole point is when Jesus comes back, he comes to a Jewish occupied Jerusalem to defend them from their enemies. Now imagine before 1967, you're reading this, you're going, the Jews don't even live there. How can Jesus come back and defend them from their enemies? They don't even live there. And go all the way back in time. For 1,900 years, people are going, this can't even happen. Because Jesus can't come back until Jerusalem is occupied by Jews, and then he defends the Jews. But now our generation has seen Israel become a nation it was born within a day because they brought all of their dispersed people with all of their genealogies. And within a few years, they took over their capital. You right now have the stage set right before you for Jesus to come back. Think about that. When we go to see a play, there is a stage that is set forth for the actors to begin to to act in that play. Without the stage, they can't begin to act. So when the curtains are closed, they go behind the scene and they put together the staging. My friends, when the staging is done, the curtain comes up, the actors come out. You are living in a generation where God has staged the platform of human history for him to come out. You are that last generation. It may not happen next year. I'm certainly not going to name dates and places, and everybody who does continue makes the wrong dates and places. So we're not going to do that. Next week, by the way, we're going to talk about the Antichrist, okay? And by the way, I'm not going to name who he is, okay? So those of you who want me to tell you, it's Obama. He's the Antichrist. We're not going to do that because every time we do that, we as Christians, we lose, we lose our credibility because then people say, well, it can't be right because you all are so wrong. But the bottom line is he's coming. And this generation has saw the fig tree. Now, there are some other events that have happened right before your eyes. Let's go to this one in Daniel. That the expansion of knowledge has happened. Now, look at Daniel. He's a prophet around 5th century uh, B.C. Daniel 12.4. This is the guy who went to the lion's den, by the way. But as for you, Daniel, conceal these words, seal up the book until when? Somebody say the end of time. Come on, let's read our Bible today in church. How many came to read the Bible? Amen. Do I have a Bible? Your Bible. Okay, one, two, three. Until the. So, Daniel, you got your book of Daniel right now in your Bible. You're in chapter, we're reading out of chapter 12. So that means the prior chapters, there's about three or four chapters that he is getting prophecy, uh, God is speaking to him as prophecy for us 
that he could never see in his lifetime. He is getting the entire genealogy of world-dominating powers. He sees that after him are going to come, after the Babylonians are going to come the Persians, the Greeks. He sees the start of the Roman Empire all the way down to the revitalized Roman Empire of our time. And, And God says to Daniel, Daniel, seal up this book. This book will not make any sense until the end of time. Now, how would we be able to know by the book of Daniel that we're in the end of time? Many will go back and forth, and knowledge will increase. Here is the sign to Daniel when you're going to crack open that book and start reading it, and we get into the Antichrist and Jesus coming back, the next two lessons, most of it's going to come from Daniel and Revelation. Listen, he says, Daniel, your people reading this are going to know they're in the last time when they see an explosion of knowledge. Andrew, do we have the, the video ready? Some of you might have seen this online, but this thing was not even produced by Christians and you ask me, answer me at the end, have you ever seen a time with more explosion of knowledge? This is going to be a great video for you to watch. Andrew, would you please start it? Thank you. Maybe put it up a little bit. Thank you, sir.
I want you to see that a week's work of the New York Times is more than a year of what people had before in way of knowledge. Thank you, my brother. I want you guys. Now, this is a non-Christian company. Their job is to be futurist. They look towards modern trends and predict in the future. These are not Christians. Are you guys listening to me? And they are showing you right now the exponential growth of knowledge is doubling every couple of years. They are taking this information and going, what does it mean? They're asking the question back to you. I think this by itself is such an eye-opener. It's prophetically speaking. The information technology world is going, what's going on? What's happening? This thing is moving so fast. They are themselves asking the question. What's going on? You thought that that was a Christian question coming from a Christian perspective. No, these are futurists, non-Christians. They are asking you the question as society, what is happening? What are we going to look like? Right now, the human brain is the most um, highest computing uh, computer in the world. Our neurons are the firing of our, our of, of what we do, <laughs> our synapses. I'm trying to get a little uh, biological right now. But they're saying that they're going to be able to make computers that move as fast as our brain. And this is going to be an accomplishment because now the brain will no longer be the, the most computing thing on this planet. Right now, we are the most intricate computer right here. And so all of this is pointing what I believe towards next week's message, which is the Antichrist who is going to use this knowledge use this technology to build his one world government and we'll talk about the mark of the beast but I want you just to track with this we went from the light bulb to laser beams that can go through steel in this generation light bulb to laser beams we went from telegraphing to cell phones in this generation and we've gone from the train to commercial trips to space right now in this generation that Jesus is talking about. Do you think that's a fulfillment of Daniel's words? Now, if you're not convinced yet, I'm going to give you one more thing to think about before we move on. Think about Adam and Eve. We believe as New Earth um, creationists that we believe uh, that the earth was created in 4000 BC, roughly, okay? And we're in 2080. So we believe 6,000 years of human history. 
From the time of Adam and Eve to this generation, how did people travel the exact same way? By animals, horses, by boats. Are you all with me? Walking. How did they communicate? Exact same way, pounding on drums, fire signals. How did they, um, how did they live in the sense of technology being a part of their life? How did they, same thing, you know, you had a pencil and a paper and a saw. That's how you live. We've had this from the very beginning of human history. And yet this generation has exploded. We have some of our grandparents who are around in the 40s can tell you what it was like to go to, to use the bathroom in outhouses, uh, to, to not have modern conveniences, to still ride horses, people that you may still know today. And we're talking, it went from that. Like my grandmother went from this whole, she watched it. She watched planes be invented. She watched us do the whole thing. My friends, this is not a coincidence. This is what Daniel was talking about. And now even the secularists, the futurists, the non-Christians are pointing back to us going, what does it mean? I think I know what it means. Jesus is coming back. Boom. Amen. Come on, somebody. Let me give you the next thing. Nuclear warfare. Here we go. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 12. Here is an event that would happen in this generation. Look at what Zechariah says. Now, this will be the plague that which the Lord will strike all the peoples who have gone to war against Jerusalem. Now, do you understand why Jerusalem is so important? Because Zechariah now, around the same time, 500 B.C., is prophesying God is going to strike down the enemies of Jerusalem. But doesn't there have to be Jews in Jerusalem for that to happen? Does everybody see my point, what I was making there? So Zechariah was not even a possibility to any other generation. Now it is. See? Now this will be the plague with which the Lord will strike all the peoples who have gone to war against Jerusalem. Listen, their flesh will rot while they stand on their feet, their eyes will rot in their sockets, and their tongue will rot in their mouth. I have been reading commentaries. I have commentaries from around 1700. You can read John Wesley's 1700 and Adam Clark. You can read Martin Luther of the 1500s, 1600s. They had no idea what this meant. The biblical authors, probably Zechariah, did not even have the full understanding of what this meant. People were trying to say that maybe, uh, you know, we'll get shish kebab, somebody will get shish kebab, and while they're there, they'll begin to rot. But that's not what the Bible says they're being propped up by, you know, being impaled. No, it says, while they're standing on their feet, their flesh rots right in front of them. While they're standing on their feet, the eyes in their eye socket rot. Their tongue rots. Well, you can go to any website and ask what would happen in a nuclear fallout. Ground zero, everything gets obliterated, okay, just turns to dust. But as you get away from that circle, there is an intense amount of heat and radiation that comes with a wind, and while you are standing still, your flesh can rot right off of your bones, be blown right off your bones. And for others that are in a further circle of radiation, the radiation will be so bad that as they're walking around, it can start, they'll bleed through their eyes and it will start decaying them as they're walking around. But it's really that third circle where that fire and heat with that radiation comes with a wind that will take it right off of your bone. Are you all listening to me? 
while people are standing on their feet. Now it says the Lord does this. So there's one of two ways to look at it. Either when the people attack Israel, because remember Israel's here now, Jerusalem is here now, so somebody's going to try to take them out. And we'll talk about that next week. I believe it's going to be the Antichrist and about 300 million people from the east, Russia and China, are going to try to rush in with the Middle East and take over Israel. Now when God it says sends the plague, he either drops the equivalent of what we now call nuclear warfare or Israel launches the nuclear warfare and God says, that one's from me. Either way, we see now an event that has already happened. When we dropped those two bombs over Japan, we showed that this can happen within moments. Is everybody listening to me? Let's go to the next one. Live satellite TV. Here's an event. Telstar, 1962, Revelations 11, 9 through 10. For three and a half days, men from every people, the uh, tribe, language, and nation will gaze on their bodies and refuse them burial. And I'm going to explain this to you in just a moment. The inhabitants of the earth will gloat over them and will celebrate by sending each other gifts because these two prophets have tormented those who live on the earth. Now let me just back up and tell you the story. The Bible says... In the last days, this generation we're living in, God is going to send two prophets. We believe they're Elisha and Enoch because neither one of them in the Bible had a normal death. Enoch was taken to heaven and uh, in, in the Old Testament in Genesis, and then Elisha was taken in a whirlwind of fire. And I know sometimes we go, oh, that's a little science fiction, but we believe this is true, and they literally come back. So this is what Revelation is talking about. These men will appear, they will come into Jerusalem, and they're going to start doing signs and wonders. The Antichrist and the people with the mark are going to start hating on these guys, but they won't be able to kill them. Then eventually God is going to say, your time is done, and he's going to allow them to be killed. When they get killed, this is what was said. Once again, commentaries just a hundred years ago said that this was just parabolic. This was not literal. Because it says, for three and a half days, men from every people, every people, not just in the area, every people. And then it gets even bigger, like it, it was messing with Christians, because they're like, how is this going to happen? Because you just can't say it's of the area, because now it says every people, every tribe, every language. And then it goes one step further. If it didn't make it more impossible, it says every nation. So before you might be able to say, well, maybe there's a, you know, an, uh, an Egyptian in Jerusalem at that time. But now it says every nation. Let me ask you a question. Anybody see the murder of Gaddafi on news? We saw the live murder of a dictator, and every nation saw it. Because in 1962, Telstar put satellites up, and they began to beam across the world. My friends, you are a part of a generation for the first time that something could happen in the Middle East and every single nation on the planet. I was in India and on huts they have satellite receivers, on huts. I'm telling you the truth, on huts. Satellite. Every nation will see this. This is an event that has already happened. It is waiting. Jerusalem has been taken by the Jews. They rule in Israel. We see now the nuclear weapons have been developed that can rot the eyes and the flesh while men stand. The television stations are ready to go to display the death of our, of our prophets on TV. And then lastly, as a sign that most people, or excuse me, that most people wouldn't think is you put these all together and now 
You have five events that are ready to set the stage. And last week, what did I give you? Nine signs. And what was that last sign? The preaching of the gospel to every nation, tribe, and tongue. William Lane Craig's book, A Ready Defense, has a picture at the, at, in his book, and I put it on Facebook for you guys to see it, of the world's population to believers, okay? So when we first started the church, around 100 A.D., you know, people are being saved, there was one believer to 315 non-believers in the world. Okay, you all tracking with me? We just started, and he has a picture of them, you know, a person holding a globe. So one believer to 315 non-believers. As you go to the first, you know, church, first 100 years, then to the 1,000-year mark, it starts going down, 200 to 150. In our day and age right now, it is one believer to seven non-believers. I want you to get this in your mind right now. The last sign to be fulfilled, the events have already happened and are ready for them to, to be fulfilled. The last sign is that the gospel will be preached to every nation, tribe, and tongue. And we are only one to seven ratio away right now. This last sign could be fulfilled in your lifetime. The gospel preaching could continue for the next few weeks, months, or years. And my friends, we could go home and be with the Lord just like that. It's up to you whether or not you take these signs to mean what, what I think them to mean or these events. But I want to tell you one thing. If you would say, Pastor, you could be wrong on all this. I'm going to tell you one thing. I'm not wrong on Jesus is coming back. And I'm, I, I stand on this, by the way. I'm not the only person. You want a series? Get the Left Behind series. You want to talk to other Christians, people who have been around the church for a while. I'm just taking what all Christians who have been teaching this have already had. The question is, what are you going to do, my friends? What are you going to do now knowing you're part of that last generation? I want you to think about this. You are the generation that Jesus Christ says is the greatest harvest of all time. That means there's a billion plus Christians on this, in this planet, seven billion altogether. And that means if we all go out and spread the word, we are responsible for the last harvest of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we went to heaven, they've already done it statisticians. Uh, statisticians. If we go to heaven right now, a billion plus of us, when we would go to heaven, we would be the majority of people in heaven. That means the majority of people in heaven would know who Michael Jackson was, would know the, you know, that they are from this generation. We are the majority. And then you want to know another fun statistic? Is that majority who's up there, the majority of them are under 25, and have uh, color on their skin. That means they're, they're, they're not white, okay? So that means the majority of Christians today are not in America, and they're not old, and that means the gospel is spreading very fast to this generation. I was talking to our, our, our person in the first service. She uh, was a believer, is a believer, but was a part of the underground church in China. She moved here seeking freedom with her husband who was from Taiwan. She said that most of the pastors are young. Most of the pastors are going out changing the world, and they're being arrested, but they're preaching the gospel all throughout China right now. And she said another fun statistic is a lot of them are women, praise God. What are you going to do about it? Well, I want to give you. Some words that Peter said. Would you open up your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 3 in closing today? If you're ready for some encouragement, say, I'm ready. Amen. Once again, it's great to see you here this morning. You look awesome. Thank you for coming. I hope that this blesses you. Now, just feel the excitement that I feel on this. Peter is writing you and I a message 2,000 years ago that never would have been fully understood except by our generation. 
So imagine this. Peter is talking to you. A person who has seen Israel come back to a nation. A person that has seen the technology increase. A person that has seen satellite TV. He is talking to you right now. He's wrote this for you, your generation. And this is what, in my generation, and listen to what he says, starting in verse 1. Dear friends, now this is my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words in the past spoken by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Have we looked at the prophets today? We looked at Daniel. We looked at Zechariah. Remember those words. Did we look at Jesus' words by Matthew the apostle? Did we look at that? He says, remember those words, and now look at verse 3. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. Hello, somebody. Has anybody ever made fun of you for being a Christian? Has anybody ever scoffed at us for believing that we're living in the last days? Well, guess what? Their scoffing is actually a sign of the end times. So we're like, keep scoffing, buddy. You're actually proving Jesus' words right because he said you would act like a fool. So the bigger fool you act like Bill Maher, Richard Dawkins, the more you mock us, the more you prove our Bible is true. Because in the last days, they're going to mock us. And then what are they going to do? Follow their own evil desires. More abortion than ever before. More homosexuality than ever before. More wickedness and murder and violence than ever before. You are living in a generation of wickedness. It's a sign. Now listen to what they're going to say. Verse 4. They will say, where is this coming he promised? Where is it? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Isn't this what people are saying to you right now? Nothing has changed. Nothing's going to change. This is the way it's always been. Oh, come on, those preachers, they're just trying to get your money. They always make up that stuff. Isn't that what they're saying right now? I hear it all the time because I talk about it. You see stuff on the news, you talk about it, you'll hear what they have to say. What the God-haters will say back to you is, you Christians are all like doom and gloom. You're crazy. That's what it's always been. This world's always been messed up. But verse 5, but they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the word of that time, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. The Bible says that they deliberately forget. Does Bill Moore, Bill Maher know the story who, who did the documentary Religious, Religious List to mock us as Christians? Does he know the story of Noah's flood? Absolutely. But he wants to deliberately forget that it ever happened. He wants to say that that's a myth and and it didn't exist. Do the professors today that are teaching that God doesn't exist, do they know about that story? Wouldn't, Wouldn't everybody on the streets, come on, guys, think about this. What is the story, do you think, other than the birth of Jesus, most people on this planet know? Ask your neighbor, ask somebody uh, tomorrow at work, hey, do you know the story of Noah? What happened with Noah? Oh, hey, you know, there was a flood, he got into a ship. Everybody knows it, my friends. Over 300 cultures have different stories of the flood. The Bible is the only one that describes the ark and where the water came from in detail. Don't have time to get into it. Or the fault lines, what have remained as reminders, or the canyons that came from it in the ice age that was a result of it. Don't have time. But they deliberately forget. And yet they know there was a flood and water judged the earth. Verse 7, by the same word. 
Whose word sent the flood? God's word. The same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire. It's not water this time, my friends. It's fire. Being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. This is some serious warning Peter is giving us. Look at what he says. Do not forget this one thing. So there's one thing Peter says. Don't forget this. Come on, guys. Listen, everybody look up at me, please. Peter's talking to you right now by the Holy Spirit. Peter said, guys, this one thing. Don't forget this. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. Why is he telling you that? Because we forgot <laughs> Because we're like, where's Jesus? Where is he going? You know, because Jesus left the earth 2,000 years ago and said he would be back. And we're like wondering what's going on. It's been 2,000 years. There's been empires. There's been destruction. There's been all types of confusion. And we're wondering, where's God? You know what Jesus said? I'm just going to go away for the weekend at my father's house. I'll be back on Monday. Just a couple days. In Jesus' mind, he's just gone for the weekend. Where are you at, God? What's going on? The Holocaust, World War One and Two. What's going on? It's just uh, coming back on Monday, guys. I told you I'd be gone for the weekend. Jesus is. Peter is telling us, don't forget. Jesus doesn't look at time the way you and I do. All oh, the days that have gone by. He lives in eternity. Two thousand years. Peter's wanting you to know this. Just like two days. All these people mocking, all these people deliberately forgetting. And, and Peter's just telling you they don't understand that God doesn't live by their time. It's only been two days. But here's the part that gets me really excited. Verse 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise because how many of you sometimes wish Jesus would just come back and get it over with? Hello? You know, and I feel sorry for some of you single folks. You know, somebody's just going to run out of luck, you know. And, 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 at, and at the altar, they're, they're going to be about ready to say, I do. God, why? Why? Just 24 more hours. Going to go to heaven as a virgin, a bachelor to the rapture. Woo! Come on, Jesus, let me go back down. Okay. But here's the reason why he's waiting. He's not waiting so more of us can get married. He is waiting as it says the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And brother, we got to please go to my Facebook and find that picture. I know you, you passed. I got to show it to you because I've already explained it. But the reason why Jesus hasn't come is so the gospel can be preached. To all the world. He doesn't want us to be lost. You know, one person said it like this. Uh, you know, th they were debating with an atheist, and an atheist said, well, what about all those who haven't heard and all of these past generations that never had missionary witness? And, and, and the, the guy said, if you took them all together and, and combined that number together of all those that you're trying to say God has been unfair to without a witness... He said, in this generation, times it by a hundred, and that's who's hearing it right now. See, the African tribal nations, I have another stat, don't have time to get into it, was that 80% in the early 1900s, the whole African continent, they called it the dark continent, not because of the skin, but because of the belief system, the mostly the entire continent was, was tribal or Muslim. Are you listening to me? And over the last... Hundred years, we have been will, winning three three million Mus, uh, uh, Muslims and 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 uh, African tribal religious people to the Lord. Three million a year. There's over three hundred million right now that have known the Lord just in this generation. The point is, the most of all time are hearing it. 
Let God deal with those that you may say haven't heard it. But I still believe that they come under the curse of Noah because everybody knew it at one time. And by them not choosing to follow God, they went their own separate way from the Tower of Babel. And they've come under curses. And so the best thing we can do is to bring the light to these generations of those who have rejected God. Amen? So I want you to put this up here. Uh, Brother, are you able to see it? And uh, put it up here for us, please. And just hit uh, shift and uh, plus button so that everybody can see this. Uh, Shift and plus and then center it. Thank you and kind of move it over a little bit. You are the man. Let's give it up for Andrew like a beast. Look at this. Boom. Why is Jesus waiting to come back? Is he just for God? Is he slow in keeping his promise? No, he's wishing that all would come to repentance. 1989, one believer to seven non-believers. You are living in the greatest harvest of all times. Let's keep going. Thank you, my brother. It says, but the day of the Lord will, uh, verse 10, will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it laid bare. Verse 11, since everything will be destroyed this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. Can everybody say godly lives? Can everybody say holy lives? Thank you as you look forward to the day of God. And here it is. And speed, it's coming. Everybody, speed, it's coming. Can you say speed, it's coming? Thank you. I got a little too speedy on that. One more time. Speed, it's coming. How do we speed the coming of the Lord? By preaching to the lost because it is the last sign to become that event. When the last nation, tribe, people have heard the gospel, it's over, my friends. That's it. Israel is set up. The stage has been made. We can speed the Lord's coming by preaching to those who have not heard. And then continuing on, that day will bring about great destruction of the heavens by fire. Heavens, plural, means stars in the, in the um, atmosphere of space. And the elements will melt into heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and earth, the home of righteousness. And I will be talking about that the last week on Jesus' second coming. I'm going to give you a whole uh, timetable. And I'm going to show you what the word of God says in our new home. But can I encourage you from Second Peter today? How many hear 2 Peter as a message to you? Amen. If your neighbor's not raising their hand, can you tap them and say, Peter's talking to you? Come on, Peter's talking to you, neighbor. Peter's talking to you. He wants to give you seven things. Number one, have wholesome thinking. When you look at the beginning of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, he says, I'm doing this to remind you, to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. So let's not freak out, okay? I know there's a lot of conspiracy and everybody wants to figure out what's going on. You know, people getting uh, the thumbprint to pay at Jewel thought it was the, the mark of the Antichrist. Everybody just take a deep breath and relax, okay? Just relax. It's okay. I ain't getting that thumb mark, mark of the beast all over me, man. I'm going to pay with my credit card as if that's any better. You know, come on. Just relax. Look at your neighbor and go, relax. Relax. It's okay. Just think about Jesus. You know, you got all these YouTube videos wanting to tell you the Antichrist is, the European Union is, you know, all the, just relax. Just know Jesus is coming back and the stage is set. Amen? Now, the second thing that Peter wants to tell us to do is recall the words of Jesus. When Jesus gave us all the signs, did he go, okay, there's going to be diseases, guys, it's going to get bad, and then there's going to be an earthquake, and then everything's going to go to hell. Hang on. Is that what Jesus said? Just hang on, it's going to get bad. Recall the words of Jesus. 
He said, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. At the end of the book of Matthew, he says, yes, I will be with you even unto the very end of the age. Just remember Jesus' words. He's with you. He loves you. Keep making babies. Some people are not going to have kids. Keep making babies. Amen? Just keep loving life. The Bible says keep working towards that day. Okay, we're not stockpiling here. Though if some of you want to, that's okay. Nothing wrong with stockpiling, okay? But I'm just saying, like, we're not going to cause this big, like, upheaval of our society for this event. Just let it happen and be ready here. Amen? And if those of you stockpile, I'll be at your house if it does go bad. Hey, man, uh, you got any soap detergent in there? I told you. Okay, that's okay for our stockpiles. We love you. Uh, number three, be ready for the mockers. Okay, so guess what? You're going to get made fun of. You're a weirdie. Okay, you start talking about the end times, and everybody's going to be like, man, that's so cool. You guys are awesome. They're going to be like, you guys are crazy. Losers. Okay, so get ready for people on your job to think you're nuts, okay? And I'm so happy for you guys to experience that because they've been calling me nuts for a while, okay? I can't wait for some of you sophisticated folks being called crazy, amen? Like, I'll just give you a high five. I'm like, it's about time. Number four, know that judgment is coming. Now, this is serious. This is not going to end well for a lot of people. This should cause us to pray more. This should cause us to weep when we pray, to have brokenness, to do all we can to invite our friends to the ark of God, which is the church. Uh, the only way out of the fire is the church of Jesus Christ to be born again. The only way out of the water was the ark that uh, Noah built. So we need to get our friends right. We need to know this is going to really happen. That's what Peter said in verse 7. Uh, number five, that we don't want to forget the Lord is patient because he wants all to be saved. So maybe... We might be around for another 20 years. But let's not freak out and be like, oh, you were supposed to come. You know, I got all this credit card debt. I was hoping he would come. You know, and now I don't have anything. You know, I'm in debt. No, don't do that. Just be patient. But use the time we have to win souls for Jesus. Go on mission trips. Share the faith to your coworkers. Know that the only reason why it hasn't happened is so you and I have more time to preach. Amen? Number six, very personal. Live holy lives. Live godly lives. Get the sin out. You're going to be judged one day, friends. I'm going to stand before the throne of God, and you're not going to be there with me. It'll be me before God. I can't use my wife as an excuse. I can't say, well, my first pastor cheated on his wife, so it was okay, which, by the way, it happened in my life. I can't say, well, you know, my other Bible college professor, he quit and started selling used cars and made a lot of money, which happened, by the way. No, I can't say that. I will be judged on that day. You are going to be judged on that day. How did you live? Did you keep his commands? Did you live holy? That's all holiness means, to be separate from this world, set apart from your sin. Amen? And then number seven, look forward to a new heaven and earth. If you're audacious enough to believe Jesus rose again on the third day to propitiate your sin, to be your redeeming sacrifice, can you also be as bold enough to believe there's a place for you? That can we believe this again? In, in our society, we have made it so just taboo to believe in a real heaven and a new kingdom on this earth. We just think that's so far out that I can make believe. Can we believe that again? We were meant for more than what we see here. God is not a liar. And now some people want to paint heaven like it's going to be your paradise. You're going to get massages, wakeboard, you know, have a new, new 50s Chevrolet. I don't know what we think sometimes about it, but I will tell you heaven will be awesome because Jesus will be there and all those who love Jesus will be there. Amen.
Would you stand to your feet with me, please? How can I say Peter's points in a very simple way that I think you'll remember, band? Would you come, please? This is the easiest way I can say it. Love God, love people, and do something about it. Now, I need some Chicagoans to help me out with do something about it, okay? Okay, so on the count of three, I want you to look at your neighbor, say, love God, love people, and do something about it. You ready? One, two, three. Love God, love people, and do something about it. Praise God. That's the way I would encourage you today. Do something about it. Don't let this time pass you by. D.L. Moody, a great soul winner, he said, that one of the biggest regrets we'll have in heaven is when we see the power of prayer and we'll realize how little bit of it we used on this earth. He said that we'll get there and then we'll say, the power of prayer was so powerful, but I used it so little. I want to ask you to tap into that power today. Tap into the power of prayer. And what was Jesus' prayer that he taught us to pray? Not word for word all the time, repetitively. But what was the theme of that prayer? He said, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He taught us that concept of prayer because in all of our doing, in all that we do down here, what should be our heart? God, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come, God. Your will be done on this earth. Use me to be a part of your kingdom. Not the kingdom of this world. Not the dark age that we're in right now with Satan and his renegade demons. But God, a part of your kingdom. And you know the first thing that gets in the way of God's kingdom? It isn't just the devil, El Beelzebub, you know, uh, and uh, drugs. You know what gets in the way of God's kingdom? Your will. That's why he said, your kingdom come, your will be done. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, not my will, but your will. If Jesus in the flesh recognized that the fleshly nature could have something opposite of the Father's will, how much more should you and I be honest with ourselves and say, God, it's not about me. It's not about me amassing wealth. It's not about me just building a family and taking care of us four no more. No, God, I want your will, my life for your glory, whether by life or by death. Let Jesus be glorified. I count all things but done for the knowledge of Jesus Christ that I may know him and the power of his resurrection amen let's just worship him in closing altar workers would you come and those who just want to tell him gracias thank you I love you would you just raise your hands right now come on just tell him you love him he's coming back for you he set up signs and events to encourage you thank you Lord You didn't leave us here all by ourselves. You've sent the Holy Ghost to be with us. Your word and your promises to encourage us in a church to walk with us. We thank you. We want to speed your coming, God. We want to see you come, God. But first we want to make your name great among the nations we want to make the name of Jesus known Berto would you just grab the flags and just give them to our altar workers up here and some of our singers Jesus said my house will be called a house of prayer for the nations we're going to pray for souls to get saved over every nation tribe and tongue we're going to pray that satellites send forth the gospel 
that these nations come to know the Lord. We're going to pray for needs in just a moment. But first, let's lift up the needs of the gospel in these nations. If you need some help, Berto, just hand them out to some of the people. Come on, would you lift up a nation right now that needs the Lord? Come on, let's make this a prayer meeting. Just call out nations. And if you have a flag, would you come to the front as a way of saying, I present them to the Lord. God, we lift up these nations right now, right now. Come on, lift up these nations to the Lord. If you don't see a flag of a nation that's on your heart, just begin to pray for it. God knows. If you want us to buy it, tell Berto. We'll buy it and put it up here. We are so serious about this. We've been doing this before, these series, but you know why the series brings it out? It's because now we know this is tied into the Lord's coming. God, we lift up every nation. Nepal, Guatemala, Europe, Ireland, Egypt, hallelujah, Pakistan. Thank you, Lord. Japan, China, Mozambique. Come on, would you pray with me, church? If all you know how to pray is just, Lord, bless them. Then just say, Lord, bless the Congo. Lord, bless the Philippines. Just pray with me for a few moments, saints. Glory. Hallelujah, Sister Julie. Would you pray for Pakistan? Father God, I just pray, Lord, that you'd send your presence to this nation, God. Lord, that they would feel the power of your love, oh God. And Lord, for every Christian there, Lord, that you would be with them in every tribulation, Father God. Lord, that they would feel your presence, Lord. Oh, Lord, just bless them, Lord. Bless them, bless their needs, God. Fulfill their needs, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, sister. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Brother, would you pray for your nation of Egypt? I'm praying for, I'm praying for the peace not just for Christian, for the whole Egyptian nations and for the whole world, just peace, no more war, no more killing people, no more persecuting people for no reason. Show your glory in Egypt, Jesus, show your glory everywhere, Lord God, we thank you always, not just when you give us something good, but in troubles too, we will always thank you. Jesus, hallelujah. 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 Just pray a few more moments today. Will you pray for Puerto Rico and the Latino nations? Amen. Father, we just lift up the Latino nations to you, God, for Puerto Rico. God, we ask you that your fire would consume those nations, God, that the church will begin to rise up, that the believers will begin to rise up, oh God, with passion, God, God. knowing that it's only you, God. I pray that they will proclaim your gospel, oh God, in every Latino nation right now in Jesus' name. We call them back in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Just 30 more seconds, whatever nation is on your heart, whether it be the flag in somebody's hand or just in your heart, would you pray for them right now? Oh, God, let the gospel spread. Oh, even for America, where over a 100 nations are represented. Oh, God, save Chicago, Jesus. You wish that none would perish. 
Oh, we pray for Malaysia. Oh, we pray for Singapore. We pray for Sudan, oh God. We pray for North Korea, God. Oh, Kazakhstan, oh God. Oh, these nations, God, they need you, Lord. Oh, come in power. Come in power, oh God, to Indonesia, oh God. Oh, thank you, God, you are able, oh God. You are able, God. You love them, God, every tribe, every nation, every people. Oh, in the name of Jesus, can we just shout amen today if you believe it? Amen and amen. We believe it, Lord. The greatest harvest. The greatest harvest. If you could, could you just give those flags back to Berto? Oh, thank you. We're going to dismiss in just a moment. But I'm going to ask that these altar workers would come and as we dismiss and close out in song, if you need prayer today, man, you need Jesus or you need a, a, something in your life to change, don't leave out. We're going to give you a chance to do that. Oh, Father, Lord, would you bless us as we go today? Keep us safe. Help us to share this with our friends and family to prepare for your coming. And Lord, anybody here today that has any need, that God, that they would come forward and receive prayer because we believe there's power in your name. In the mighty name of Jesus, can we all say amen? Can you bless the Lord with me, amen? I have prayer workers. If you need prayer, come forward. We're going to sing. If not, God bless you. You're dismissed. We'll see you at Life Groups. Have a great day. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Sing out,